0: Bootstrapping your business can sometimes feel lonely. Welcome to the Bootstrapped European Entrepreneur Podcast, where you can hear the stories of your peers, as well as the strategies and tactics that have helped them grow their businesses. Your host, Uroj, co founded a company as a student and led it through the trials and tribulations of bootstrapping to the IPO on the stock exchange. Hi, our guest today is Dan Grofelnik Pilsen, founder and CEO of Bunny.net, where they are on a mission to make the internet faster for everyone. He started the company as a side hustle to solve the problem of ever-increasing traffic bills for a website he was running at the time. Content delivery networks were not solving his problem, so he decided to build one. We talk about the challenges he faced, where he found his first customers, and most importantly, how his personal mindset changed allowed the company to grow even faster. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi there. Welcome to our podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm I'm really happy, I must confess. uh, Excited about our conversation today, because usually when people think about bootstrapped companies, uh, they think that there is a lot of grind and slow growth. But if you would look at your company, just from outside in, from the public available data, it seems that this is not the case with BunnyNet. It's growing like really fast. So it looks like you're tripling your revenue in each of the last three years. So is this impression correct? Where did it all start? Three years ago or a little bit sooner? Well, yes. Yeah, so the the last of the growth
1: did happen over the past few years, which were really 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 fast but the actual whole company goes back quite a few more years which is around seven years or something like that and the whole beginnings were kind of tough you know it's always hard to get the first 100 users you know but it's also easier to grow 3x when you only have 100 users <laughs> <laughs> um so i would say it depends a lot on the field so so in our case i think we had a, a, a really quickly growing. Uh, field as well which is continuing to explode right now so that that helped as well i think so like the saying goes rising tide, uh, raise all boats well i mean I, i'll just pretend that the, that i had something to do with it as well <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you didn't fall over uh, let's say no but uh, joking aside uh, how did you get into this field? because it's highly technical it's really niche so what brought you uh, into the field of uh, CDN. Is this still the main focus of the company, let's say, content delivery networks?
1: Yeah, so the beginning was actually me running my own website, which served a lot of traffic, serving lots of images, lots of videos. And basically back then, there really wasn't a lot of choice for CDNs. There was stuff like Akamai or, or AWS, which were extremely expensive and I was just thinking it, like there's clearly a gap in the market and you know Bandwidth is actually really super cheap so you know why why don't I build my own CDN then I built my own CDN then I realized okay well why don't I just you know <laughs> sell this to other people as well clearly there's a need since there's no 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 affordable
0: CDN back then okay this this sounds a little bit polished let's say, so let's dive a little bit deeper let's say, so it was like it was this uh engineering impulse, let's say. So this should this look like an easy task. I could do it. Was this the first thing? Because uh, let's say you're engineered by heart.
1: Yes. And I was also broke, so <laughs> <laughs> so that <laughs> came hand
0: in hand. Yeah. So but okay, but uh, setting up a CDN it's not actually so Let's say inexpensive because there's exit nodes and so on. There's some minimal minimal scope uh, for the CDN to actually be a viable, let's say, solution. So, yeah. how did you finance this then at the beginning? Let's say if you were a broke uh, engineer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the start uh, the start can really be tough, especially for a CDN, because at the end of the day. Your whole point is having a lot of infrastructure ar- around the world. Now, thankfully, back then, there really weren't all that many options. So even if we had a little bit less regions, that still worked. So I was able to kind of finance that through, through just my own income that I was getting from, from my primary job at that time. So this really started as a side project.
0: Okay, so it started in 2012 or uh, something like that?
1: Uh, I think it was around 2012, 2014. I was kind of getting together
0: yeah.
1: before it became something a bit more concrete.
0: Yeah. yeah and and the, the second part of this polished sentence was, okay, then I just started selling. So in my experience, let's say engineers, uh, we have trouble with sales at first. So how did you approach, let's say now, selling your solution? And uh, when did it actually occur to you that you could actually sell this because you solved your own problem first? Was it intention to actually build a product from the beginning or it was just, let's say, I scratch my own itch? From the beginning,
1: it was really just to scratch my own itch. But now, while I'm an engineer, that's more related to the fact that I like creating things. It's not really related to that I like uh, just coding in general. It's really more about the solution than the, the, the product. So really my past has been quite kind of entrepreneurial as well. So it kind of started in high school where like my parents never gave me any money. So I guess that's related to it. So in high school, like. Kind of scrapped some coins at home, then went to the store, bought some lollipops, then sol- sold them back at the school. Then went back to the store and bought me some Coca Cola. So that's the only way I could actually get something to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not like uh, it's not like that was my first kind of uh, deep in these waters, but yeah, it's, it's been before that as well. I've I've sold. I've built software that I tried to sell. But this was really something that kind of got a lot more of my attention and I got into it
0: much more. So, Yeah, so let's say, so where did you, let's say, acquire your first customer? How did you approach, let's say this? Because I I believe that probably the solution was not really polished at the beginning or... Yeah, Uh (laughs) yeah.
1: It, it wasn't it it really wasn't, but it but it worked. It was interesting. and the the UI was terrible. the design was terrible. So I guess the the, the process of getting the first clients is always that you you start or you should start, especially if you have no money getting the low hanging fruit. So when you have a lot of time and not a lot of money the cheapest way to get customers is just to go on a forum maybe make some posts and put something in the signature maybe show people your project what you're working on and, and and that's usually how i would approach getting the first few customers because when you have no money and for example roi for ads is 5 months it, it just doesn't scale so so that's kind of the the trap of bootstrapping i guess
0: yeah um, or not the trap but Kind of the one of the hardships, especially in your case, let's say because a lot of times people actually let's start with services and then let's say transform this kind of business into a product business or something like that. So it's a little bit easier to sell services at the beginning, but you actually started with products. so this is uh let's say interesting part. So probably the forums were product hunt of the day, <laughs> let's say as I, as I imagine. Um, Well, there was one specific one,
1: which is called uh, a low-end talk, which is kind of oriented around low-cost solutions. So it was kind of in line with what I was trying to build. Uh, So so it's really, I think, I would like to say that a lot lot of it just started there. And I'm actually really thankful to the community that kind of brought it all up. I think now we've overgrown it a little bit. Now we have a, a lot different focuses, bigger vision, but at least that's how
0: it started. And yeah, it was. So the, for, for the first few years, four or so, or even more, you actually, this is your part-time business and you were full-time, let's say, employee uh, as an engineer.
1: Yes. So I also started more kind of slowly than... We had some projects to finish, um, stuff to do, and I gradually graduated into being able to move on to the project full-time. And I think that's where things really started going much, much, much faster.
0: So what was the tipping point? Let's say you finished up with past obligations or you noticed, okay, there is an opportunity here. Now the project has matured, matured so much.
1: It was kind of both. So I noticed the project much earlier, which is when I asked if I can leave, which unfortunately wasn't possible. Then Microsoft decided to cancel their Windows Phone, which was a project I, I was working on at that time. So then then I was able to to
0: focus on Bunny, finally. And could you, let's say, what at the time, let's say when you switched, uh, did Bunny already generated enough revenue to support you? Or was it, uh, let's say, a little bit more uncomfortable situation?
1: It it did, but it was also related to the fact that I'm really cheap to, to <laughs> to sustain. So, you know, if I was, for example, in San Francisco, I think that would be pretty much a nightmare. But starting in Slovenia, you can, you know, you can live pretty pretty low cost for a while so that that really helped i think just being based where i was based which is i think a a benefit of eastern europe i guess and, and maybe some less expensive regions as you can if you have time if you have skill if you have determination you know the first few months maybe the first year you can do a lot by yourself and it doesn't cost
0: that much yeah you just have to persevere let's say and have a vision and focus on something and yep. what changed then the most when you now were full-time on the bunny let's say working on the bunny cdn i think the the, the
1: biggest thing that changed was just the amount of time and focus i could put on the project yeah, okay but what what was the result well the result is a lot of more features faster updates more stability just you know everything started moving faster and faster when i was actually able to work on it uh you know full time so i guess when you have 13 hours a day and no no project coordination and anything and you're just responsible for anything and everything you know you can get a lot done very very quickly so probably one person can do the job of five people in a
0: bigger team or, or even more. Uh, and So this new, let's say this increased pace of, uh, let's say, adding new features and so on, yeah, actually then resulted resulted in this accelerated growth in uh, new clients. So there, your focus was product and only product uh, and responding to the probably quite client requests or something like that, or... Or you had a vision for yourself,
1: let's say so. Yes. So my vision was just to build a product because there was a lot of ideas. There. Like even now, I, we have a ton of ideas what to do. So there's always stuff to improve, and new features, add new regions even. But back then it was more of my job to focus on growth as well. Now, obviously we have teams to help with that. But back then, I was just doing everything. I don't know what was my focus, but I think it was the product and just keeping customers happy, making sure everything's working.
0: And the customers just came on their own, let's say. So it was the situation. If you build it, they will come.
1: (laughs) Yes and no. It was a lot of SEO, a lot of like active marketing on my own. So it, I wouldn't say it was very passive. So I had like the the project that started Bani was actually what gave me a lot of experience with search optimization and making sure that you can be Google and found and all of that. So I think that was also a big focus at Bani at that time. Paid advertising really got, it got in later when we could afford the buffer of ROI, right? So if you do ads, you're usually paying. Now, obviously, it depends what you're selling and, and how you're selling. But in our case, we were focusing on low entry cost and, and, and growing through that. So in order to gain customers, you need some sort of buffer through ads. And then you get it back after a couple of months and really heating that ROI for us or for me back then. You know, once we had enough revenue to be able to afford that, that's where I started doing advertising.
0: Yeah, but let's say also, let's say, looking from the public information, for a long, long time, there was just two employees of the company. So, how so? <laughs> so, I think that that's maybe
1: for two reasons. I think when I started Bunny at the beginning, I really had a simple vision of building a product, building a good product, selling it at an affordable rate, and maybe running a small team of a few people and just being kind of scared even higher because I can survive on bread and, uh, I don't know, ketchup or something. but you can't force other people to, to do that in case something goes wrong. And I, I think those two were kind of the reasons why why it started slowly. Thinking back, and I'm, I'm not sure that was the best idea, but it was the safe idea at least.
0: But so the first employee was let's another the software developer
1: or. So it actually started with my friend, which which I invited to help me with development. Uh, Then we didn't really see eye to eye. He wasn't actually employed, but uh, he did help with with initial stuff, brought in another friend so we could open and and finance a company. So we got 7,500 euros to open the company. He he helped with some initial coding and and some legal stuff. So really he helped there. But then when it came to actually engineering, we, we just kind of didn't, didn't able to really manage to, to to work together too well so i guess he was in a way the first employee but not really so the actual first employee was my friend that that i found on that same forum where i i, I told you earlier that i i started spreading the ice spreading <laughs> like where we kind of grew it's a really nice community. There's there's a lot of really cool people, fun people that, that I just befriended through all of that. And um, when the support load kind of grew and grew, I invited him to join. And he was, I guess, super happy. He was also a student at the time. So it was it was good. So, so that was kind of the first employee. It was actually an engineer. So I just kept developing things on my own for basically
0: up until last year or so. It's kind of bizarre, really. <laughs> so you're basically the single developer from, let's say, zero revenue to up to uh, around to like 2 million euro.
1: Yeah, basically. Wow. <laughs> like at least 98% or something like that. I may a little bit, like, yeah, basically.
0: Okay, but uh, how, how did this, uh, if I may ask, let's say, affected your lifestyle? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, when I was young, so when I was young, I liked playing games. I like going online, just spending 90% of my time playing games. And then I grew up, now I spend 90% of my time uh, building the company. Back then, I spent 90% of the time uh, building the product. So (laughs) I guess I I enjoy focusing on something and just. Just doing it now. My wife wasn't so happy back then, so
0: uh, uh, but she got used to it, I guess. So, what then changed, let's say, to actually make you scale the team? Because now, if I let's say, if I look, take a look at your website, there's around 20 people or something like that.
1: Uh, yeah, we're gonna be at 20 soon, not just yet but uh we we really went from from i think it was three three people last year to growing really quickly i would say now
0: so what what made the, what was what's responsible for this change because uh it seems intentional it is intentional so last year we were
1: last year we were kind of in a situation where where we had the revenue uh And kind of the bigger vision started building. Then there was a point where we were approached by uh, a VC company that wanted to acquire Bunny. And initially I was kind of interested and we started speaking and and they, they were presenting their own kind of like big picture. And then I started to dream, right? And really through that, I started developing this much bigger vision. Now, then in the end, we kind of just decided, look, we don't want to get acquired. They also weren't super sure because we just had three people. So we kind of broke that off. But the end result of all of that was really realizing that there's so much more out there that we can do, so much more we can build, and it's not... Let's just build this little product, but let's do a whole new vision with a big idea. Just try to do something really big and change something in the world. Uh, And really, that's where our vision shifted. Let's build a CDN to, you know, let's speed up the internet and build a company. and, And really, the focus became building a company that will solve these problems versus just building this one product and was a huge, huge shift in vision for me that kind of developed uh, last year. So essentially this year, we also rebranded to bunny.net and now we have. I have much bigger goals. So I really, I, I guess I kind of grew up last year a little bit.
0: So, okay. There's a lot for me to unpack here, let's say. So you were mentioning growth, let's say. So at the beginning, there was SEO, let's say based growth. Uh, then what actually... Allowed you to let's say triple the revenue each year, so there's probably a good retention. Uh, yeah. So is is there is this driven by let's say expanding the revenue of existing clients, or are you onboarding so so many new clients? What what's the is there anything like a big? Uh... I think there's a natural evolution in a product, especially if
1: it's a good product. So initially, you start. And like I mentioned, with the low-hanging fruit, then, then once we started really growing in in, in in that type of growth, and then also, I think one big section that appeared was organic growth, where people start realizing, look, wow, this is pretty useful. You know, I like this, and then bring other people and that was the first type of organic growth. And then SEO started picking up as we had more and more content. The next stage was really um, kind of the natural evolution of growth, I, I think, which is when you start doing advertising and then you can start tracking that, optimizing that. And then through advertising, you bring more people that bring more people Then we build on affiliate channel. Then we did promotions, promo codes, discounts, and it just starts to slowly drip in. And the more people you bring, if it's a good product, they will bring other people. And and that's probably why there's usually you see really slow growth and then it just exponentially goes up. If you look at maybe companies like Slack or something like that, they, they... they start up really slow, then they start growing like crazy, and you're like, "Wow, they're really growing!" And then it just goes up even more because more like the existing users are happy, and they're bringing other users. And I think that's also part of
0: it. And then you get reviews. I hate to bring to bring this this to you, but this was incorrect use of the word usually. Let's say you have some kind of sample problem. Let's say exponential growth is not usual. <laughs> Well, that's why I said if, <laughs> if it's a good
1: product, right? So, yeah, if it's a good I product. guess we did have we did do something right. So, I had a lot of projects before that where where we they just didn't go anywhere. So, so yeah, it's really related to being a,
0: a good product or just doing something right. So, how do you ensure, let's say, so that the product uh, doesn't get like uh features that doesn't make sense? uh, How do you architect it in the way that it's a good, simple product still?
1: I think initially the first step is the easiest way is to solve your own problems. So then when you have problems, there's a high chance, unless you're doing something really obscure, that somebody else has the same problems. But that's just the first entry point. Then I think the next stage I think it always goes in stages. So here, the next stage is to really listen to customers. So when I was doing everything alone, I also did all of the support alone. So a lot of the features that we added uh, really came through listening to customers. And it's I think it's really, really, really important to listen to customers, but not what they want, more what problems they have. Because I think that's where you start solving problems solutions which it's something i also tell to to our support team a lot of the time a customer will approach us with a problem and they're asking they're asking why something does x or y and how can i make you do xyz well in reality they're trying to solve problem that's completely unrelated and you have to be careful there and just think carefully about what they're trying to solve and then maybe design the features around that as well. So I think a lot of our features went like that. Now, after we build a team, that's where it kind of gets a bit complicated because you don't talk with customers all day, every day. And what I'm trying to do now is really focus on communication with our support team to make sure that if anybody has problems that we don't solve or that they're having problem problem solving that we are in contact and that that there's a constant flow of communication where we can keep improving. And obviously then for bigger customers, you can do direct calls, just send send out a survey, maybe you know, have have an account manager reach out, just see how they're doing, what they're solving. What they're struggling with, and just try to help them, and that's that's kind of the stage where we are right now, I think. so at this
0: stage, you're still the product manager, let's say, so you're manager
1: i I am, I am, but it's probably also gonna be one of our next positions that I'm hoping to fill. But I also feel it's one of the most important positions and and I want to do it right. so uh,
0: it's interesting that you mentioned uh, support customer support, let's say I was dabbling a little bit in how to structure the onboarding process, let's say, how to make some kind of diagram. Uh, let's say in our business, uh, let's say hosting, there's a lot of varied prob- products, let's say, and also different problems. And at the end, let's say a colleague of, of mine, Tomas, who's now, let's say, CEO of a Slovenian company, actually came up with, a, let's say, a framework. And for him, it was like, it's a there's a three-step process. It's problem, solution, and answer. So... If you don't answer, you don't uh, let's say close the tickets. But you should understand the problem. If reading the ticket, you don't understand the problem, then you shouldn't answer. But you should explore the problem further. And for this, this was like a brilliant framework because it works in each and every case. And also, let's say pushes people towards this uh, let's say let's solve problems mentality. And it's uh, it's night and day experience if you let's say, read through the tickets of an agent that's just trying to close the ticket as fast as possible and somebody who's actually trying to understand the problem that the customer is having. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we
1: we don't have it so officially just yet, but it's exactly the mentality that we do have. Uh, so now, now, especially as our team grows, it's it's extremely important to, to do it like this, I think.
0: Okay, so... The growth was organic, mostly driven by, uh, let's say, great product. Uh, so, let's say, organic in a way that you just added new channels and everything was working. So, if I understood you it correctly.
1: It's a little bit of everything. I I mean, the product wasn't all that great, but it was evolving and, you know, yeah. it was solving a problem. It, just, it was creating enough value. It's a little bit of luck as well. It's just... I can say like there's there's always people that will say, okay, I'm gonna give it the formula formula for success. But there's there's no formula, just you know, <laughs> it it happens organically a lot. The, the only reason why I'm saying that the, the product was good is because I'm not sure if it wasn't good, why anybody would want to use it. <laughs> so I'm assuming it must have been good.
0: Okay, so what what then actually changed apart from the, say, the VC? the discussions that you had with VCs. What actually also changed because you said that in the beginning you wanted to have a small team around, let's say, seven people or something like that. Now, in a year, you also overcome this obst- obstacle. So what was this mental switch in your head, let's say, that now it's worth it? Yeah, I think
1: it goes Back uh, back to where I was working before going to Bunny. So we were quite a small team and I, I guess I would enjoy building the same team as we had back then. But then the first step was actually realizing that there's not much we can do with a team so small. Then that just evolved into... I don't know. I I started looking at bigger companies, what they're building, and and just learning about their vision. And I slowly realized there's maybe a few people that really drive these companies forward, just with the vision and 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 a desire and a goal. And I realized that if we set small goals, we're not gonna get anywhere. So then 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 I started thinking that. There's a lot more we can do, and there's a huge amount of change we can drive if we just try. And if we don't try, we're not never gonna get there. And it's just one, one little product that's solving one little problem, and that's
0: it. So how did this change, let's say, your relationship to your business, uh, this switch in your head, in your mind?
1: I think I'm not entirely sure <laughs> how to answer this, um, but I think just between now and that last year, there there's basically a night and day difference of how I think and how I see business at all. So I think one of the one of the interesting sentences was when the VC told me we're gonna build a proper company. And back then I was like, but we are a company. You know, there was three people or, or something like that. And and now I, I realize that when people tell me, oh, wow, Dan, you're so great. You, you've you built a successful company, so much revenue. And I'm like, that's nothing. Come on, that's, that's, we're a tiny little company, but we could be so much more. It's just a much bigger vision, much bigger goal that I have right now. And I mean, I know, I'm i not sure we can get there, but at least I have it. And
0: yeah. <laughs> so how, how did this, uh, let's say, uh, uh, this perception of self, let's say, as your, your role in the company changed now? Let's say, because now before you were like chief, chief architect, chief everything. <laughs> what are you now? I'm still wearing way too many hats.
1: So so I think it's really the only way to successfully grow business. And I think where bootstrapping is has the biggest traps probably is being able to delegate and learning how to delegate and what to delegate
0: and to who to delegate. And why do you think this is connected to bootstrapping? That's why this is the trap of bootstrapping. As a bootstrapped company,
1: I suspect doing all of these roles for so long, you just start getting used to it and then either bringing new people might be hard, so you don't trust them, for example, that they might do X, Y, Z well, or maybe you you just give them everything to do that you did before and then, you know, not everybody's good at everything, so... (laughs) I guess a lot of entrepreneurs end up being good at everything because that's the only way they can actually get somewhere, but then they project that to other people. And I think other, like, usually what I noticed is that there's one person is generally good at one thing and likes that one thing. But as as a bootstrapping entrepreneur, you're forced to get good at multiple things and and that's why i think it's a trap so obviously when, when when you get funded right you you say okay let's build a team from the from the start right you're gonna do marketing you're gonna do design you're gonna do engineering and i'm just gonna tell you what to do right and there there is no shift in roles or, or things like that that happens when you're bootstrapping
0: oh, so you think that it's basically the Bootstrap entrepreneurs, even if they would have the opportunity to scale, they start to scale uh, later because of this, uh, let's say, comfort zone of doing everything by themselves. Yeah, so that was something where I felt,
1: I think, quite majorly, but you know, maybe it was a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, So to um,
0: return to the question, let's say you said that, okay, that this is a trap, but what's your role like right now Where you want? where do you want to be in your company?
1: Right now, I'm still the CFO, the CMO, the, the CTO. But we're slowly building teams. We have, you know, we have a, a support team with a support, the head of support. We have a head of sales and a growing sales team. We have an engineering team. Still looking for for somebody to just, you know, take the initiative and and start leading the team and, and finding the right person to do that but i'm currently in a role where i where where i'm really looking carefully where and to who i can delegate and and to make sure we find the right people then in the future where i want to be is really the person that drives vision and and kind of maybe strategy for the company because i think that's the hardest role to find because everybody likes dreaming about things but it's much harder to find people that actually want to build things and, and 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 push that through so so that's where i think i can bring the most value but ultimately when you grow a company the goal i guess is to make yourself obsolete right and <laughs> uh, that that's the only way you can build a business that goes on for 30 30 40 50 years if it doesn't rely on a single person. So that that's kind of the end game, I guess.
0: Oh okay, interesting. But was this the goal from the beginning or well of course not. <laughs> the goal
1: <laughs> from the beginning was to have six people that like hang out and make a nice product and have good support and and enjoy building things. And now it's a completely,
0: completely different vision. So at the beginning, let's say it was a lifestyle business and you were expecting to get this from the company. What do you expect to get from the company now in this scenario? Let's say if you are making yourself obsolete.
1: I'm not making myself obsolete just yet. I'm just saying that that's the end goal for for a company to be able to thrive even in, in 10 or 20 years because if I hit, if I get hit by a bus, you know, the if the if I get hit by a bus and the company dies, it's not a very good company. <laughs> what I what I get from the company and what I want to achieve with it is really to I kind of want to change the world uh, and make a difference and and disrupt as much as possible, disrupt other companies, disrupt markets, disrupt ourselves, but not in a way in a, in in a bad way. Just in a way where we create great products, great value, and just uh, drive this vision and 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 build things around it. So, so I like to say that my my thinking right now is really why are we building this company and not what are we building, uh, and that's
0: how I try to drive it. And why are you building it? What's bothering you in the world so much that you want to change it? Let's say so. Why, Bunny? Button?
1: Well, I think there's a very limited people that try to push a much bigger vision, and I'm I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of ashamed to to say to tell it to people, but I'm I'm kind of hoping that that I can be a person that that doesn't get scared of of, of maybe trying to aim for something bigger and and just bring positive positive change in the world through technology so i'm really inspired by but what kind of positive change let's say just to
0: well it can be anything so our vision is to build a you probably have something on your mind let's say right now for the bunny well
1: <laughs> stay tuned right uh but not <laughs> for for us it's really it's really we we've talked about it and we've seen look what are we passionate about where do we want to drive change and and what do we want to you know bring to this world and it was uh you know obviously delivering content but moreover why just to speed up the internet to make access to you know, websites faster for, for everybody around the world to bring resources to developers that they're able to do so and just, you know, focus on on, on this vision of uh, faster internet connectivity and just bringing resources to developers that they're able to build around it. And But I think that's just the current stage and I'm hoping that as we grow and we have more resources and, and hopefully, you know, a much bigger team that we can start tackling other problems as well. So I'm really, I'm really hoping we can get to, to a stage where, where we can, you know, even evolve
0: our current vision further. So let's say you started a side project, you then bootstrapped it to, uh, let's say, respectable, Uh, Size, Uh, did uh, and you started discussing with with VC's. Uh, What's your let's say relation right now? Uh, Let's say what's your thinking? Let's say bootstrapping versus VC. Uh, When does it make sense uh, for? When does it make sense to bootstrap? When does it make sense to to go uh, VC route?
1: That is an interesting question. So for me, I think that's maybe a bit more personalized answer because personally, I don't want to get money to build something that I'm not super confident that will work out or will be good. So myself would not try to seek funding to just build an idea that I have no idea about. And I would always try to build some sort of prototype or, or bring it to market already before trying to get funding. But I also understand that without funding, that would get A, majorly so down, B, might not even happen, or C, might get somebody else enter the market before that. So I think it's really about, in my case, it would be about the confidence of what you can build and your vision, what you want to build and where you actually want to go. So if I started Bunny right now, Or if I started Bonnie 10 years ago and I had this vision of let's build this ecosystem of products to help developers go faster, go global, that would be a much bigger vision that would probably be much bigger today. And if we we got funding back then, I mean, it would be much bigger right now. On the other hand, I I didn't have that vision and even if if we did get funding back then, of just trying to build a simple CDN, it would be a completely different story.
0: And I'm not sure if I even answered the question. I'm, I I don't exactly know. No, you you answered it. Let's say. But what about let's say the company at your stage right now? Uh, do you think that meltings of the world can happen because it's famously like a bootstrap company that uh, grew to a giant? Is this something that can be also done? Let's say in your case or. Are you willing to take on, let's say, VC funds to grow faster?
1: I think we're at a stage where I know where I want to go and we want to do much bigger things. And we are at a point where the only thing that's slowing us down is money. And technology is really evolving super fast. So... One year in technology world is like 10 years in normal years. And whilst I think that we could grow successfully without funding, I think if we want to reach the bigger vision and and bigger goals and ambitions that we have, it's probably a good idea to, to be funding. So we're also currently... Uh, at a stage where we are actively looking for funding. So it took some time, but uh, <laughs> I think we're ready.
0: Great. I believe this is the best point to end our conversation. I would really like to thank you for, let's say, your honesty and for sharing your story. Uh, and I hope that in a few years uh, we talk again, let's say, and see what where Bunny is at that time. Yeah, thank you
1: as well. Um, it was, it's actually fun for me to talk about this and, and hopefully maybe we can inspire some other people to thrive to and drive
0: some change in the world. Yeah, especially I think that uh, in our region, there's a lot of technical knowledge, but too few people try to start a global product, try to, to start addressing global needs, let's say not just local needs. And then the market is too small, too quickly.
1: Yep, yeah. Aim for the world.
0: <laughs> if you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and do not forget to tell your friends about it. I would really appreciate if you tell me which entrepreneur would you like me to interview next. Just email me at podcast at bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu The episode show notes are available on www.bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu See you next week.